another episode of the Cover Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells. It is February 27th. It is around 12 degrees outside, which is honestly kind of terrifying, but that's beside the point. It is combine week, and this is going to be a doozy of an episode. And I don't use that word lately. Um, no, this is going to be a good one. I'm actually, I'm very excited to record this and do this. Um, if you don't really follow the draft as much as other people, I like to follow the draft. Do I watch all the film on everybody? No, but gather enough data, make my own conclusions, whatever. But this episode, this is the episode for you if you want to get caught up on some of these higher-end draft people. Because I will be talking about 63 prospects today. A lot of those guys are going to be gone day one, gone on day two type guys with a couple other guys sprinkled in the mix there. But this is the draft episode for you to get you primed up and ready to go. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. But before we get into that, I guess I should just say what's on tap for this episode. So uh, last year when I did my combine episode, I did my NFL weekly update and then I just kind of did my top five NFL freaks that are gonna we're, we're gonna see at the combine guys like Darnell Washington, uh, which I think he was one of the only guys who actually competed. I loved him now a Pittsburgh Steeler and all of my other guys really didn't compete so. Trying to avoid that this year, but so instead of doing that, I am going to talk about basically every single position group in the draft. Um, talk about kind of the higher end guys, but also go because a lot of these positions, position groups are very, very deep, and we'll talk about the class strengths as a whole. Um, but yeah, I will go through every position, I will give out some guys that are going to wow at the combine, and yeah, um. So yeah, this is the draft episode, and then yeah, we're always, like always, we're going to start off with NFL Weekly Update very shortly here, but um, I have to talk about, so my ending of last, last week's episode, I went on a bit of a tangent about who the best quarterback drafted between like 2010 and 2016 was, and my conclusion just kind of on the spot that it was Jared Goff. Obviously, a lot goes into it, blah, blah, blah. And I probably forgot about the two people who uh, are probably one and two on the list. Maybe not right now, but in a few years they will be. And that's Russell Wilson, number one, actually won a Super Bowl, consistent top 10, was in the MVP conversation. Uh, he is number one by a far mar margin. And then someone like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, who I also forgot about, but has had a very, very good career not really amounting to much yet, but I would take Dak Prescott's career over someone like Jared Goff's. Uh, but yeah, the debate was had between group chats, and obviously Cam Newton's the guy who he went to a Super Bowl, he won an MVP. And yeah, I think that Cam's peak of his career is the best in that class. But, and right now, I would still put him number two. That's if everyone died and the world was ending and there was no more football in 2024, Cam Newton would be the second best quarterback drafted between 2010 and 2016. I think in a few years from now, he might get, uh, 
guys like Dak, like Goff might move ahead of him on that pecking order. Maybe even a guy like Kirk. That's another guy. Yeah, I also completely forgot about Kirk. But yeah, um, the answer was not Jared Goff for who was the best quarterback between 2010 and 2016. He's probably fifth, maybe top five. I don't know. Either way. Uh, Yeah, needed to address that before we got into the NFL Weekly Update. But let's get into the NFL Weekly Update now, starting off with very important news. Uh, The NFL has announced a $30 million raise in the salary cap between this year and last year. Um, I think it was like 220 something last year. Now it's at 250 something Obviously, absolutely huge, and we have one person to really thank for this, and it is Taylor Swift. And this is kind of a joke, it kind of isn't a joke, but the amount of extra eye, like eyeballs and p- new people to the spot that were simply watching just because she was on the screen for 25 seconds total in a game, um, it made a big difference. Now, I think the cap would have jumped kind of a regular amount, what we've seen, and a reason for the big spike is because... Uh, like many other leagues, when COVID happened, things just kind of shut down, and now they're back to full strength. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here. But basically, it's like the leagues had to pay more back into the league to kind of maintain their status quo, because COVID obviously is such a big revenue hit, and the NFL is now repaid everything. So they were going to, there was going to be a substantial increase anyways this year, but I'm going to say that Taylor Swift did have a big part in this. I don't know if people want to hear that. I don't really care. Uh, thank you, Taylor Swift, for having the biggest increase in the uh, in NFL history in salary, on uh, salary cap anyways. Um, yeah, what this means for the NFL, though, uh, my immediate thought was, yes, the Dolphins are going to be able to bring back like our core guys who are hitting free agency. Uh like guys like Connor Williams, like guys like Robert Hunt, like Andrew Van Ginkle, like I, there's someone really big that I, oh, Christian Wilkins, that's the big fish that I'm missing. Uh, but then it also means that other teams, like the Chiefs, who were probably going to lose one of Legereus Sneed or Chris Jones, now might get to retain both, which would be very scary if they keep the core of that defense intact while still upgrading the offense. Um, but... What I think this really means for the NFL and with this big salary cap bump, we are going to see a lot of tier two free agents in the market get massive deals. And like when I'm saying like tier two guys, I'm saying like Gabe Davis is going to get like a three year, $45 million contract. People are going to get overpaid. People are going to get overpaid badly. Ah, and this is where the good GMs, they navigate the waters well. Um, keep their head above everything, but we're going to see some lofty, lofty contracts uh, this this offseason, and we'll talk about that more for next week's episode, because that will be the free agency episode. Let's keep going here. We have some franchise tags, and I'm sure that more will roll in uh, as the week goes on and as free agency does start next week, but we got two big ones here. Uh, Justin Matabuki, the uh, Ravens interior defensive lineman. He has been tagged. He is not hitting the open market. Very good move for the Ravens. He was their best player on the defensive line. Uh, Last season was a very good defensive line, but I think he had 11 
straight games with a half sack or more. Um, he has been an absolute menace. Uh, still very young, I think. So if this was his fourth year this year, that means he would have been drafted. Uh, would have been drafted in the 2020 draft, like Tua and other guys and whatever, but he was a second-round pick. Um, but yeah, he has gotten better every single year, and last year was just kind of the cherry on top of his rookie contract. And yeah, the Ravens have every right to want to keep that guy around. Very smart move. Uh, the other guy, T. Higgins, the Bengals are not letting him go, and partly because they don't want him to hit the open market, just untested, and he does have a market for uh, from teams if they do want to move him. I saw today that it would be a late first, early second type of compensation for T. Higgins. Um, that's pretty good, especially in a very deep wide receiver class, which we'll get into soon. Um, yeah, T. Higgins is obviously a major need to bring back for these Bengals. Uh, Tyler Boyd is also a free agent, so right now it just kind of leaves him with Jamar Chase, but Higgins is back. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term play or just kind of one year, and then we'll figure it out after that, but uh, T. Higgins will remain in Cincinnati, at least for the time being. I don't know if a trade's going to happen, but I'm not here to speculate. Um... And we have some guys who are going to hit the free agency market. They are not getting tagged this year, and they are all running backs. This is kind of the, I don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of guys are hitting free agency, but the running back market is incredibly saturated now. Um, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and Austin Eckler all hitting free agency. Uh, Saquon, Jacobs, and Pollard not getting that second tag. I think that second tag would have been at like 14-something million. The other guys, I think the tag is 12 million. But the running back market should be a fun one, especially with the salary cap bump. It'll be interested to see where guys' markets are. I think Saquon will get the biggest bag from someone, whether it be the Giants or someone tries to poach him. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. The running back market is just in the mud. It is what it is. I mean, there's, again, we'll talk about the draft class coming up, but there's a couple good guys in the draft, and there's always guys in the later rounds who just come out of nowhere and just play great. Um, yeah, like all of these guys will be on teams, obviously, next year, but the contracts aren't going to look good. I mean, especially for a guy like Austin Eckler, who was demanding, like, top running back money. That man's not going to have a good market. Like, other than being, like, a touchdown merchant his last few years in L.A., and I take that back because his 2021 and 2022 seasons were very good. He averaged four and a half yards per carry, like 18 total touchdowns, 1,500 yards of total offense, never a 1,000 yard back. But this past season, oh, my God, it was like he was running in quicksand. He had no breakaway speed, still had a knack for finding the end zone, but... Uh, that's someone who, like, should garner, like, a $5 million a year contract at the running back position. Like, if Dalvin, it took Dalvin Cook, and I think a lot of these running backs are also just gonna wait, wait until after the draft, unless they really find a team that really wants them kind of thing, but I think a lot of them will be sitting into May, June, maybe July, looking for contracts. Um, but I guess we'll see. I guess we will see. Um, kind of an NFL news, but, uh, Eric Bieniemy, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, former Commanders offensive coordinator, and like assistant head coach, uh, he has taken the job at UCLA as their offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. 
Um, now a lot of people are kind of outraged by this, where, oh, how can Eric Bieniemy get a head coaching job? A lot of people are putting, like, the race card into it. Um, kind of bullshit, because we have seen a lot of great black head coaches and coaches of color hired in the last few years. Um, and at this point, what is wrong with Eric Bieniemy? Like, I don't know. I kind of went looking to... Uh, didn't have a great past when he was former NFL running back and into college, got into some trouble. But obviously, he's kept his head on his shoulders. He's had no issues for a while, but he just must be a dickhead. Like, I don't know what it is. He led one of the best offenses in Kansas City. No one wanted to hire him. No one wanted to hire him. No one wanted to hire him. And then he finally gets a chance in Washington where it's outside of what you've been doing with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's like this is his offense. And the offense looked pretty good for at least the first little bit and then kind of fell off a cliff towards the end of the year. But like to me, because the commanders knew that Ron Rivera was out and they brought in Eric Bieniemy to be that coach in waiting. I talked about that all throughout last season where they brought in Eric Bieniemy to be their next head coach. And I don't know what he did in that last season for management and the upper guys to be like, not for him. He is not the head coach I want. Uh, yeah, and all I'm going to boil it down to is a, he must be a dickhead. So we'll see how well he does in college. College is a completely different beast compared to the NFL. So uh, I wish him the best. I don't know if we'll get back to the NFL at this point. Maybe. Um Crazy to say, honestly. Um, we have some cuts. Uh, it is that time of the year. And again, by next week, we're going to have probably, I'm going to list 20 names that are going to get cut here. Um, we'll start with the Dolphins one, the ones that hit a little close to home here. Um, the Dolphins cut Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Ogba to free up cap space for this upcoming season. Um, I'll just start with Emmanuel Ogba because it will be quick. Uh, made a lot of money in Miami. Didn't wasn't the most productive. I think he had like one like good season and the rest were just kind of like, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's had a very solid career. I'm sure that he'll get some backup rotational, some small role somewhere, but congrats, Emmanuel, or not congrats. He just got cut. Never mind. Um, and yeah, Xavier Howard, Xavier Howard, um, the, one of the best Dolphins players like that I've got to watch and, experience firsthand I think if I'm ranking my favorite Dolphins players from like when I really started watching in like like 2010 basically it's like Cameron Wake and then Xavier Howard might be number two uh he had an incredibly special year I think that was 20 2019 or 2020 when he had 10 interceptions uh he was a ball hawk he finished his career with the Dolphins with 29 and I'm sure that some team will love to have his services out there. Uh, yeah, and it's a little bittersweet because obviously what we were paying X, it is not, he is not worth that money anymore, sad to say. Uh, but you'd like to keep the guys who spent their entire career with Miami who were really good with us for one point on the team, but that's just not how the league works. So uh, Xavier Howard, incredible Dolphin, uh, incredible career as a Dolphin, and I wish him the best wherever he goes. Also, just incredibly horny man. Um, I don't think I really have to go into much details with that. If you want to look it up, uh, you'll be able to find some funny stories of Xavier Howard's uh, time in Miami, that's for sure. 
A uh, couple more cuts here. Uh, the Bucks have cut Shaq Barrett. Uh, Shaq Barrett, who was crucial, integral to that defense on their 2020 Super Bowl run, uh, came over from Denver Denver to the Bucks and absolutely just kind of spring-shotted his career. Uh, very, very productive player. Uh, and again, as he gets older, he's fallen off a little bit, but someone that someone will bring in as a rotational pass rusher on a bit of a cheaper deal uh, to see what he has left in the tires. Wouldn't be a bad move for Miami to do at the right price. I mean, right now, I mean, Phillips and Chubb are both going to miss probably the start of the season. We don't have Andrew Van Ginkle anymore. He's also a free agent. So we need to bring in some help in free agency. Maybe Shaq Barrett. I don't know what his market's going to look like, but I'm sure he will have a pretty decent market on the vet. Uh, maybe that's a Niners thing. Maybe it's a Niners thing too. Lots of teams need people, but uh, Shaq Barrett hits the open market. Uh, very good player for the Bucks. Uh and I'm sure he'll sign somewhere else. Uh, another cut here. The Jets have cut Lakin Tomlinson, uh, one of their guards. Uh, and Lakin had a very good start to his career when he was with the Niners. And it has since kind of gone downhill since. I mean, he signed with the Jets, was one of like the big acquisitions for them to try to shore up that offensive line. And it's just been injuries and inconsistent play for him. So... They cut him, and now he's looking to kind of restart his, uh, get back under his feet. He should be able to jump into a starting spot on a bad offensive line team. And two, I mean, obviously, he has worked in the Shanahan tree, and the Niners also need interior offensive line help. So him going back to the Bay, definitely an option. But he also worked with Mike McDaniel, and the Dolphins also need interior offensive line help. Not wouldn't be a bad move that I oppose, but uh, Lakin Tomlinson is now a free agent. One more cut here. Uh, Steelers are cutting center or have cut center Mason Cole. I think he started 30 plus games for him, uh, for them. Uh, solid starter. I think that's all you can say about Mason Cole. Solid starter, not going to move the needle a ton like those other, I mean, a couple of those other guys that I mentioned, anyways, but uh, yeah, another just starting. Offensive lineman hits the market. Uh, three more notes here before we get into the draft talk. Uh, there was some talk about some rule changes, potential rule changes at the NFL Combine, because it is silly season. We are in rumor season. There is a lot going on right now. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about some rule changes, and one thing that the NFL kiboshed immediately was the uh, f- fumbling out of the end zone being a touchback for for the defense, they get the ball. They're like, no, we're sticking with that thing. But one thing that the NFL is potentially considering is banning hip drop tackles. If you don't know what a hip drop tackle is, it's basically when you're trying to tackle someone and they run through you. They're a little bit stronger than you, but you manage to grab a hold of their hips, like kind of like around their waist. And then as they're kind of running, you just kind of drop and slide down onto their body. And it does, it causes 
causes roll-ups and causes some injuries. Very infrequent, in my opinion. But um, this is essentially just a way for the NFL to ban tackling. And if this were to get approved, I think this would maybe be the beginning of the end for the sport. I don't know how you could ban literally tackling. Uh, you can't hit high, you can't hit low, and now you can't like wrap the guy up and like try to take him down because it's very hard. I like I don't know how you take down Derrick Henry. Like he's going to run through you. You have to grab on and just hold on for your dear life and hope he goes down eventually. Um, so yeah, that's kind of just pissed me off more than anything. Uh, we'll keep going here. Uh, former Seahawk, former Niner, Richard Sherman, future Hall of Famer, uh, was arrested on a DUI. Obviously, not great. Sherman has had some other domestic stuff, not domestic abuse, but like uh, there's been some stuff since Sherman has been retired where not great, and I do hope that this is a turning point for him where he realize he has to, he has to smarten up because he is someone who is very smart and when he talks on TV he like he knows what he's talking about but obviously off field stuff is a little to worry about so hopefully he gets his head on his shoulders a little bit more uh and finally just kind of a lighter note to end it off here uh Cam Newton got in a fight I'm I'm sure that people have seen the video going around with Cam Newton but uh hilarious it looked like he was fighting like high schoolers or these high schoolers decided to like jump him it was like a 7v7 football tournament and like the way it did it did look like he was fighting like guys who were like 16 18 whatever no it was three grown men and cam got one one in a headlock he's got one like like full arm extension like you're not fucking touching me and the other guy, I mean, like, Cam shoved him, like, 50 feet. Uh, it is pro-athlete, and I mean Cam Newton, one of the better athletes to ever play in the NFL. And all while managing to keep his nice, funky hat on top of his head. Um, yeah, wild video. I mean, just wild the disrespect that Cam gets for, I mean, he's always one to help out in his communities and reach out and these stupid 7v7 coaches make it about themselves and try to discam. I think one of them was like, oh, uh, oh, what was it? It was something about like him, Atlanta-born quarterback, not being able to pass on me, like blah, blah, blah. You can't pass on anyone. Like just incredibly disrespectful. Like NFL MVP. And I mean, those guys all got their shit kicked in, really. Not really, because Cam just kind of uh, restrain them more than anything. But uh, very fun visual if you haven't seen it. Okay, let's get into this draft talk here. So obviously it is the combine. It is rumor season. There's already been a ton, ton of things discussed already to start, and the combine hasn't even started. Uh, I guess I'll start with a little bit of rumor talk here uh, that kind of leads into the quarterback conversation. So obviously it all revolves around the bears, but apparently the commanders really, 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 really want to trade up to number one. Shocking. They want Caleb Williams. So do a lot of other teams. Uh, and Ryan Poles still, oh, they're not decided on whether they want to trade fields and they're being transparent with him, but it does begin to wonder. It's like, 
if the commanders give up an insane amount to pick Caleb Williams, would the like are their grades close enough between May and Williams or Williams and Daniels where the Bears would be like, okay, trade up for Williams. We'll take the enough like the other quarterback we really like it too, on top of everything you just gave us, and we still have pick number nine. Maybe. I don't know. I think it would be it would be tough because May would have May or Daniels would need to be incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh because if Williams is like the people who Williams project to be, um yeah, it'll be tough for I mean Ryan Poles wouldn't keep his job, essentially. But um yeah. But this is Combine Week. There is going to be a lot of rumors tossed out there as all of the NFL teams are together and all of their personnel groups and lots of media there. So it is silly season. Rumor season will be wild. But let's start talking about these prospects here. Um, Starting off with the quarterbacks, and we just kind of talked about three of them very quickly. But um, I'll go one by one here. Uh, So Caleb Williams is, or I guess I'll start with this, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, all not throwing at the combine. Uh, Williams isn't testing at all. Uh, I think May just isn't throwing, and I think Daniels isn't testing or throwing. I don't know if May is testing or not either, but does suck for the big three quarterbacks to not, we won't be able to watch them, but we, we also all know what they do. It's not for them to make up ground. It's for the other guys to try to catch them. Uh, but yeah, start off with Caleb Williams here. He is the best quarterback uh, in this draft class. He does have the most Patrick Mahomes to his game. I've seen comps for Aaron Rodgers for around him. He is the number one QB with a bullet point. Uh, he, yeah, it's like, again, it's the crazy arm talent mixed in with he's elusive and mobile. Uh, He's what he's everything you want for this modern day blend of QB. Um, and there's a reason why he's number one, and I don't think I have to spend really much time on him. So we'll move on to someone like Drake May, or I guess I could say with Caleb, people think he's immature and blah, blah, blah. And all he wants a stake in the Bears ownership. I think, uh, and it's funny because one of the hockey guys brought this up and I think they made a good point was do we all remember Kawhi with his uncle who his uncle would talk like an insane amount of shit about like the Spurs organization or wherever and always get to play here next I think that's how Caleb Williams dad is where Caleb Williams like he just talks a bunch and bunch and bunch to the media and doesn't really do the best but yeah Caleb's gonna play for Chicago he doesn't care he's not gonna be like an Eli Manning and pout and complain about oh the Chargers picked me um yeah, so Williams is awesome. He's going to be the first quarterback off the board. I can guarantee that. And now we get into the Tier 2 group of guys, because I think it's Caleb Williams, and then it's these next two guys, uh, and that would be Jaden or Drake May and Jaden Daniels. And both have a lot of things to like on tape. Uh, I'll start with Drake May. I mean, again, it's the he's the prototype quarterback of when you ask someone... How do you want your quarterback to look like? 6'5", 230, crazy arm talent, mobile enough. Like Again, doesn't use his legs as a primary, but good pocket movement, can get out of the pocket and scramble if needed. 
it is Drake May. And I guess that's kind of the difference between like Caleb Williams not being a prototype is Caleb Williams, I think is six one six two, where Drake May fits that mold of the height and everything you want in a quarterback. Uh, the comps I've seen for him are a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen. And I do think he's a nice mix of in-between and those where Justin Herbert does the consistent things you want from a quarterback with that build, but doesn't do, obviously he has the nice highlight throws, but doesn't all put it together, like isn't a winner when it matters, where Josh Allen is a winner, consistent MVP candidate, top five QB in this league, um, but is an idiot, and he's an idiot a lot of the times, and I think that May, the comp between May and Herbert sits somewhere in between Allen and Herbert. Now, this doesn't mean that I think that Drake May is going to be an Allen Herbert type of player. It means he could be. Like that's if he hits his like he hits his ceiling, he hits its he's gonna be in that range of quarterback, which is a very, very good quarterback. Um but there are some issues from May. Uh and one of the things that is a little bit of a weird one is he doesn't like throwing to the right side of the field or just throws when he does throw to the right side of the field, it isn't as good as throwing to anywhere else on the field, which is a little concerning. Um I think that, yeah, his, uh, like his QB rating and like his pass, uh, adjusted pass completion percentage, it's like on the left side, like left, middle, right. It's like, I don't know if you do like linear, it's like, boom, like 80 to 90 middle of the field, 80 to 90. And then like the right side of the field is like 50 to 60. So, again, a little, little thing, but you got to nitpick the quarterbacks a little bit. And we'll move on to the next because I do like Drake May. I think Drake May is going to be awesome. And we'll move on to the other guy who isn't going to be testing, and that is Jaden Daniels, uh, the Heisman winner. Uh, gets the comparisons to Lamar Jackson because he is the runner. He's got, he doesn't have that kind of speed, but he probably would have ran in the 4 fours. Um, he has the arm talent, but the concerns about. Daniels is 49% of his total production from this year or passing anyways came off fades and hitches which is a crazy thing to say cuz he makes all the throws all over the field but didn't wasn't asked to do it a ton and he threw the ball a lot where it's kind of the opposite of a JJ McCarthy where JJ McCarthy didn't throw the ball because his team just ran the ball and just controlled the clock, did all that, and it's like, ah, has the limit of throws, where Jane Daniels has all the throws, but it's just like 49% of it was off two single routes, which, not great, but you know that he can do it, and he is a high-ceiling player. Uh, and the other knock on him, which and another reason why I don't think he's testing, is he is, has a very, very small frame on him, so when I said Drake May, the prototype, uh, I think Drake May is like 6'5", 230, something like that. Uh, Jane Daniels, I think, is 6'5", 6'4", but like 200 pounds. Very, very lean, slender frame, and I think that he is putting on weight to bulk up to look better at the combine while not testing, because everyone knows he's a fucking flyer. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so we like Jaden Daniels. We'll move on to J.J. McCarthy here, who has cemented himself as the number four quarterback in this draft and has a chance with these three guys not throwing to, he won't do it for me, but get into 
those conversations with May and Daniels, uh, potentially, if he puts on a good showing here, and I think he would. I think he's going to uh, he's going to interview well with the coaches. I think he's going to throw well. I think he's going to test surprisingly better athletically than some people expect. But at the end of the day, I think he's a very high floor player, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because right now I think the group of QBs that he gets compared to, Jared Goff, Kurt Cousins, Tua, someone like Brock Purdy, again, not a bad thing. All of these quarterbacks are in, I don't know, like the tier three group for me right now and our good NFL quarterbacks are all going to have good long careers. Um, But it's the difference. I mean, it's the conversation of, oh, uh, Game manager versus game changer. I don't think that McCarthy will be a game changer, but you can win with a game manager, and that's fine. That's good. Harder to win a Super Bowl that way, but it's just hard to win Super Bowls in general. Um, But yeah, so the thing for J.J. McCarthy is you see the flashes of what you want in the quarterback for Michigan, but... Again, like I I said it earlier, but Michigan just didn't throw the ball ever. Like there were times where J.J. McCarthy had 12 attempts in a game because all they did was run Blake Corb into the ground, run Donovan Edwards into the ground. Their defense forced turnovers, and they just controlled the clocks and just bullied teams. And J.J. didn't have to do anything, didn't really have to do much at quarterback. Um, But it doesn't mean that he can't make those throws. We've like he has hit the throws, but on a very, very, very limited amount. So JJ McCarthy is clearly QB four for me, but um, I think that after this combine performance, that I think he is going to have a good one. I think that a lot of people in the media are going to put themselves or put him in that conversation with May and Daniels, which I just think is completely ridiculous. But beside the point. Beside the point. Uh. Keep going. This was fuck. This is gonna be a long episode, probably. But um, uh, Bo Nix, Bo Nix out of Oregon, is my QB, my QB number five. Um, and l- listen, here's my thing with Bo Nix: is he's a super senior. What do I mean by super senior? He was in his fifth year of college, so he was much older than everyone he was playing against, and this was his first like. You played excellent bow, um, and he had a great team around him. We're going to talk about a couple of his teammates in just a little bit. But um, again, I don't think that Bo Nix can be a good quarterback in this league. Again, it's kind of like a J.J. McCarthy where I think he has a higher floor, but I don't think he has a high of a ceiling as a J.J. McCarthy, which, again, not saying a ton. So... There's a re- yeah, so Bo Nix is clear number five QB for me. And yeah, it's just, he's old. That's all you can say. And it's like, when you are older in college, you should be able to dominate your competition better. I think it's just kind of as simple as that. Um, and now I think we're going to get into kind of my first hot take of the draft season because a lot of people have Michael Penix as a top five QB in his class, some people have him as high as three I've seen. Um, I don't think that Penix is going to be the sixth QB drafted in this class. Um, 
and for a few reasons. Mainly, because like Bonex, he is also a super senior, but unlike Bonex, he has had two shoulder surgeries, one on each shoulder, and two knee surgeries, one on each knee. So on top of being old, he has an injury rap sheet as long as a CVS, uh, CVS receipt. Shouldn't be making that, like, comparison. I'm from Canada, but he's got an incredibly long injury history on top of being old. Um, and old. But, um, yeah, and... I think that's going to scare away teams from Penix and Penix. He does. He shows the arm talent that he has, but he did not like throwing towards the middle of the field, which you kind of have to do that in the NFL. And also when that pocket broke down around him, he did not have the mobility to scramble around and make uh, and prolong plays kind of thing. So, and this is where I think that these two guys who are more of a developmental quarterback, but, uh, higher ceilings than a guy like Michael Panix, and that's Spencer Rattler and Jordan Travis. Uh, if you know the name Spencer Rattler, uh, part of that QB1 series where they documentaried high school quarterbacks, and Spencer Spencer Rattler thought he was the shit, went to Oklahoma, had a pretty good year, and then the guy who is the shit, Caleb Williams, came in, stole his job, and the rest is history. Uh, Spencer Rattler won the Senior Bowl MVP, put on a good showing, and I think he's going to put up another good performance here. I expect Rattler to be, again, he's going to be a developmental quarterback, but there's no reason to believe why he couldn't be an NFL quarterback. Again, not a high-end starter, but I think that he will be pretty good, and I think younger than Penix, less injury history, We'll see. And then we got someone like Jordan Travis, who the Florida State QB, I mean, their season just went haywire after he got injured. Um, but someone who has more of the tools to be a game-changing quarterback where someone might take a chance on him over Michael Panix. I think my whole thing with Michael Panix is I think that because he is so old as a prospect and the injury, like the inc- crazy injury history for him, like only the, the one year he stayed healthy, that's what it looked like for Washington. Um, I think that it will drop him down, and I don't think that he will be a top six QB taken. Um, one more quarterback to talk about before we move on to running backs. And quarterbacks, there's more to talk about. So I'll try to go through other positions a little faster here. Um, last quarterback I'm going to talk about is Tennessee QB Joe Milton. Um, not for any good reasons. I think Joe Milton sucks. But Joe Milton is an athlete, and he has a bazooka of an arm and he is going to impress at the Combine. Think a lesser version of Anthony Richardson, because um, like Knicks and Penix, Joe Milton has been in college for six years, and this is the first year he started, and he just was very okay. He is not accurate whatsoever, but he can throw a football like 90 yards down a field, so that he is going to put on a show in the deep passing parts of, uh, of the Combine, and he's a very good athlete, so just watch out for Joe Milton. Don't watch out to put on him like draft list and be like, ah, I want him, but he's going to have fun at the Combine. Uh, moving on now, running backs are up. And the running backs will go a little quicker here. So my running backs here, so my top running back is Trey Benson out of Florida State. I just think the size in a running back, I think he's around like 6'1", 220-ish. Uh, he has that breakaway speed to get away from the secondary and the backers in that second level of the field. He has that pull-away speed. He has a shiftiness. He has a little power. He is a little bit of a do-it-all back. He's not, like, a great do-it-all back, but 
I think with if you want a three down back, he is a three down back. That's what he gives you. Uh, so I like Trey Benson. Trey Benson, number one running back. Uh, my number two running back is Texas's Jonathan Brooks. Shared the backfield with Bijan Robinson in 2022, and it was Brooks' backfield for this year. Uh, and he ended up tearing his ACL. But one of the interesting notes about that is now with Tony Pollard being a free agent, the Cowboys team doctor is the one who uh, did the surgery on Brooks's knee. So the Cowboys have unique uh, medical advice that they know how well Brooks's knee is doing, and that wouldn't be a shock if a team like Dallas does kind of take a second-round pick flyer on him to be their running back, uh, potentially. But uh, Brooks was very good before the injury, and obviously the injury is a big one. But uh, there's there's enough to like where he's got the size, he's got whatever you you want to look for. Um, and number three, we got the big power back of the group, Braylon Allen um, out of Wisconsin. Was a when he was a freshman, started as a true freshman, 17 years old, thousand yard back. Um, and he is big, he is huge. I think he is like 6'2, 230 something. Um, and I think he is what you would want AJ Dillon to be. I don't think AJ Dillon, Dillon lived up to that hype of being a power back. He's going to drag guys for yards. Like AJ Dillon's kind of like just okay. I think that Braylon Allen could be someone's thunder. Uh, to a lightning. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I want Miami using like a pick on a running back, but if Braylon Allen's there in the third, not a bad running back to pair with the speed with Mostert and Achan. Um, but yeah, Allen is a lot of people's number one backs. I think he has a lot to show at the combine where if he puts up a good 40 number, good speed number, might have people boosting his stock a little bit, but I think his lateral quickness isn't the best, but um. Yeah, Braylon Allen, my number three back. Uh, moving on to number four, we got someone like Bucky Irving out of Oregon. Um, and he's kind of fitting the mold of this newer speed back that we've seen in the NFL. Uh, like an A-chan, like a Keaton Mitchell. Uh, change of pace, dynamic back, who's probably going to get a few limited touches to start his career. But we'll try to make the most of it when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and I mean, I mentioned Mitchell and I mentioned HN. Bucky Irving isn't as fast as them, but he is a dynamic back, a little bit on the smaller end, but uh, does not matter. And if we want to talk about small backs, uh, Michigan's Blake Corum, 5'8". Small, small man, but a bit of a muscle hamster too. Uh, and I think some people might have Corum as their number one back. The reason why I don't... Uh, Injuries in college, and he, I think, was also a senior, if not a redshirt junior. Like, he is an older running back with tread on the tires already. Um, but yeah, he, again, he puts up the numbers you, I mean, he showed at Michigan that he can be a workhorse back. He can, again, he was tremendous, but uh, the age and the size, and it just kind of lowers things for him. I still like Blake Corum, but... Uh, yeah, and one of my running backs to look out for at the Combine this year is Louisville running back Isaac Garendo. Um, he, former wide receiver, converted to running back. Um, I think he's around like that 6'2", 220 range, so very good size, and he was a track and field high school champion. 
very, very fast. So I'm expecting him to put up some great numbers at the combine. And also not a lot of tread on his tires as a running back. Uh, injuries in college and like last year was his first real year. But um, this is a guy who I could see going. I think he's going to be going on day three, probably in the rounds like five, six. Um, which it might get boosted after the combine here. But he has all the tools that you want in a running back. So keep an eye out for Isaac Arendo here. Now, moving on to the wide receivers, and we have a lot of them to talk about. Um, But we'll start off with the big three. We'll start off with the big three, and I'll start off with Marvin Harrison Jr., who isn't testing at all. Uh, And that's not even like, oh, he's not testing at the combine. He's not doing a pro day. His camp came out and said, he's like, we're going to train for football because that's what he's doing. He's not going to train for the track and field drills he's going to practice football because that's what he will be doing week one of the nfl season and people put out oh is this tanking his stock what is he doing blah 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 lowers him on my board marvin harrison jr does literally everything you could want at the wide receiver position he is one of the best wide receiver prospects we have had in a very very long time since like a julio jones since an aj green like that type he is tall he is a good route runner he has great hands he is fast he would have crushed the combine and everyone being like oh this lowers his it does absolutely nothing marvin harrison jr and people want to clump neighbors and odunze in with them who are wide receiver ones in most other classes in their own right marvin harrison jr tier of his own in my opinion doesn't matter if he's not doing a combine doesn't matter if he's not doing a pro day that man is going to be a game changer for whoever drafts him um, but yeah, we'll move on. Uh, Malik neighbors also not running at the combine. Again, we also know that he is fast. I think I saw that Marvin Harrison Jr. on like the GPS tracking data that they have topped out at a higher speed during the season than neighbors did. Um, and we all know that neighbors is fucking fast. So that just shows how great Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Um, the comps I have seen for neighbors i have one stuck in my head right now and it's dj moore he's a little bit like taller version of dj moore and i'm trying to remember what the other one was because it was a bit of a different uh guy also yeah like the comps the comps from marvin harrison i mean the guy's gonna be incredible but uh oh i forget what that other comp was i liked it a lot but uh either way uh yeah neighbors vert receiver can play in the slot, can play outside. He's good at both. Um, again, wide receiver one in many other classes, just not this one, not with Marvin Harrison Jr. And to me, he's the third best receiver in this one because I probably should have talked about Odunze first. But Romo Dunze is my number one or number two receiver in this class. Again, he's just excellent, polished route runner, like great hands, great contested catch rate. Ah, uh, and again, so he's testing and we'll see what he runs. But like, again, if he runs a four or five, that's exactly what you want for a guy like him. The comps I've seen for him have been, uh, I've seen DeAndre Hopkins. I've seen Larry Fitzgerald. I've seen Devonte Adams. Like he is just, he is a polished route runner. He is a go up and get it type of guy. Strong hands. Again, he's just a true number one receiver in this league. Um, but now we're getting into the more of a debate talk here. Um, 
And starting off with a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, neighbor's teammate. Um, 6'4", 212. And he's going to put up a good 40 time, but he is also going to put up a great vert number. Um, the comp I've seen for him is someone like T. Higgins. Uh, I like Brian Thomas Jr. a lot. And I think that he's separated himself out of the other guys who I'm about to talk about here. Um, but yeah, not needs a little bit more polish on his route running, but he averaged 17 yards. Like, yeah, I think he led the led the NCAA in touchdowns uh, as a receiver. Excellent, excellent player. Uh, and we will keep going. And to talk about who I think is my number five receiver in this class, again, we're kind of, it's all all, all a little muddled here, but uh, Georgia's Lad McConkey, I, I kind of love him. It's a, he's fun to watch because he is just always open. He is someone who is a high motor player. He's scrappy, a sneaky athletic too. He's quicker than fast. Um, and he's just a winner coming from Georgia. Um, obviously those were all of just like the white characteristic tropes that we give wide receivers, but, uh, lad is great. He is a route technician at the senior bowl. He was just always open, always getting constant separation under guys. And I'm interested to see how he does run, but, uh, he's just a guy where, again, his ceiling isn't that high, but someone you put him in the slot, he's going to be open 90% of the times with just the way that he runs routes. Um, and yeah, he's good. He's very, very good. Um, on to some other guys here. Uh, out of Texas, Adonis Mitchell, AD Mitchell, um, 6'4", wide receiver. Should also run a 4'3". Um, he's a little lanky, gives out, uh, gives up on routes that he knows he's not getting the ball, which is a little, little bit of a red flag, but that's kind of a maturity issue you would hope more than anything. But again, another one of these receivers that is just going to crush the combine because when you run a 4-3 at 6-4, even though he's on a little bit of like the leaner side where a guy like Brian Thomas Jr., 6-4, I think A.D. Mitchell is like 6-4, 185, something like that. So definitely leaner, but uh, he's a burner. Someone, I mean, if the Chiefs get a guy like that, fucking watch out, potentially. Um, then we get another guy, Keon Coleman, a highlight machine. It was like one of the best athletes on the field. Um, if you don't know his story, I talked about it sometime during the season here, but uh, like former five-star basketball player, went to Michigan State, made the, I mean, he was a football player too, but then made like the full tra transition to football, went to Florida State. And yeah, um, the vert is going to be crazy for whatever he does because he has hops. He has hops. He has hands. We talk about Odunze with the contested catch. Keon Coleman, just as good as grabbing balls in traffic. Uh, pause. <laughs> um, yeah, but his kind of issue is, does he have the speed to separate from NFL defenders? And that's, again, one of the things the Combine will show is, does he have the top line speed to get open where again, if he runs in the four fives, 
Keon Coleman is going to be an excellent NFL wide receiver, and I do enjoy him a lot. Um, the other receiver that I'll kind of get into more detail about is Xavier Worthy, the other Texas receiver, also going to run a uh, 4-3-40, apparently. Um, does have a bit of a smaller frame, though. He is, I think he's in the 170 marks for weight, which isn't a great thing, but it's also like, hey, someone like Tank Dell uh, shined for the Texans last year in that role. Obviously, he got killed when he got put on in like a field goal block or a fake whatever that was. Stupid. But um, yeah, Xavier Worthy, another burner. Uh, but again, it's the 6'1", 170 frame where at least Tank Dell was like 5'10", 170 or 5'11", 170. So like the ratio is a little bit different, but uh, I don't know. This just shows me that these LS or these Texas wide receivers need to hit the weight room a little bit more. Um, and before I get on to the tight ends here, these are just the other names. Like, like all of these guys are going to go on day two. So I just talked about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. So I just talked about eight guys who are all going to go top 50 picks, in my opinion. And then guys like. Troy Franklin, Xavier Leggett, Roman Wilson, Tez Walker, Ricky Purcell, uh, Malachi Corley, Jalen Polk, Johnny Wilson, all are also probably going to be day two picks. So that is 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That is 16 wide receivers that I think will be going in the first two days of the draft. It is a very good, and I'm still leaving some good guys off. These are just kind of the top guys that I have, in my opinion. And I'll just go through quickly. Troy Franklin out of Oregon. Uh, Again, one of a burner, probably going to run a 4-3, but also 6'3", 180, gets kind of knocked off his point of contact. Um, Xavier Leggett, uh, one of the older guys, but might run a 4-2 at very good size. I think he's 6'1", 220, and might run a 4-2, definitely going to run a 4-3. Roman Wilson, kind of uh, from Michigan, also might run a 4-3. Like, we are, we are getting some very fast receivers in this year's draft. Um, yeah, so I won't dive in the details, but, like, watch out for those guys. Uh, no real, like, oh, this guy's going to crush the combine, but a lot of guys are going to run fast. A lot of guys are going to jump out the gym, which is usually the case with wide receivers. On to the tight ends now. Um, starting off with the guy who is the clear-cut number one, one of the best tight end prospects we've had. It is Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is incredible. He is a top 10 player in this class, maybe a top five player in this class. And he gets the comps to George Kittle. He is a yak monster. He's great with the ball in his hands. He is a great blocker. He does everything you want in a tight end. It's just hard to project tight ends getting drafted. Um, Because someone went back in the last like 10 years of... uh, first round drafted tight ends only one has been extended by the team that drafted him and that is David Njoku uh everyone else has rather been traded or contract expired or just not in the league anymore so it's a bit of a risk it's a bit of the risk or they're still young enough where they're on their active team like Kyle Pitts and Dalton Kincaid uh but Brock Bowers is a special special talent at the tight end position and someone will jump at the chance to draft him if he starts slipping. Um, I will tell you that. Um, some other names in this tight end class just to talk about here. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, another Texas guy. Uh, big frame is going to be an athlete. He will test well at the combine. 
And so is Bowers, by the way. But um, Sanders is the better athlete, not as great as a blocker, but some of these tight ends you just draft to make plays, and Sanders is a guy who can do that. Um, yeah. Um, then we have a guy like Ben Sinat out of Kansas State. Um, I saw Matt Miller put him in his like fullback uh, rankings, which who, which who knows, but Ben Sinat, not really much special to talk about. Just solid, consistent, good blocker, can catch the ball, but just overall salt. Like if you want like a Durham Smythe on your offense, which I don't know why you really would, but Durham Smythe is solid, can make a catch when needed, is a good blocker. Ben Sinat will be that type of guy in the NFL. Um, and then another guy, Theo Johnson out of Penn State, uh, going to be, I think, should run a 4-5, which is very good for a tight end, especially tight ends that are that big. I think Theo Johnson might be 6-6. Six, six. Uh, I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, so... Again, not really much to say about the tight ends other than Brock Bowers is incredible, but watch out for Texas's uh, Chatavian Sanders because he could be a sneaky top 50 pick guy, maybe in the top 45 picks. Um, early second round is what I'm trying to say. Now we have moved on to the offensive line. Um, and... It's kind of hard to talk about offensive line play, so I'm just going to say names and then just kind of say what I need to say. So, Joe Alt, Olufashanu, Talese Fuaga, Tyler Guyton, Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, Jordan Morgan, Kingsley Suamaitai, Patrick Paul, uh, then we got Jackson Powers Johnson, Troy Fotano, Graham Barton, Zach Fraser. I think I just named 18 guys. All 18 of those guys are going to go in the top 50 picks. I am confident in saying that. All 18 offensive linemen that I just named are going to go in the top 50 picks. This is a crazy year to need an offensive lineman. And there's still some guys that I'm leaving off who are going to be solid day two guys. But um, this is this is the year to need offensive linemen. And I think this league desperately needs a infusion of young offensive line talent throughout it. And again, let me just count to make sure, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13. I was wrong. I could not count on my fingers properly. But these 13 offensive linemen will all get taken in the top 50 picks. Cover zero, stamp guarantee, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good ones, a lot of good ones. And only one I'm going to single out because, again, offensive line play, we don't really have to talk about any all of them. They're all, again, they all block. They're all big and strong. And a lot of these guys are going to run sub five, sub 540s. But the one that I want to single out specifically is Kingsley Suomaitai out of BYU. Uh, he's going to put up a crazy performance. He might run a 4.8. I think he's 6'6", 330. Um, he's going to jump out the gym. Like he is going to be the best athlete out of these offensive linemen. There are a lot of good athletes on the offensive line, but uh, yeah, he's going to put on a show. He's going to run fast, which is going to be crazy to see for someone his size, but uh, watch out for him. Watch out for him. Um, and now we'll finally move on to the defensive side of the ball, starting off with edge. Um, and we'll start off with, I mean, I'll, I'll, 
I'll also do this one in groups. So I think the top three edge guys who I've talked about already in this class, uh, Leotu Latu out of UCLA, Dallas Turner out of Alabama, and Jared Verse out of Florida State. Um, All very different in their own right. Uh, Latu out of UCLA is a pass rush technician. He's got all the moves that are going to beat you. Like, his arsenal of pass rush moves is crazy. Um, Like, high motor, he's going to work and work his ass off until he beats you type of player. And with his pass rush arsenal, he does. And he does it to a lot of good people. Where someone like Jared Verse out of Florida State is the athletic guy. He's going to power rush, bull rush. He still has a couple nice moves in there, but he is the athletic guy who is going to impose his will on you over the course of a game instead of doing the flashy flashy moves. So those are kind of like the two discrepancies of those two guys where Dallas Turner fits nice and neatly in the middle of those mix of players. Uh, Turner a little bit on the smaller side. I think at only 6'4", 240. Um, but... He has that nice combination of the power and the uh, the athleticism that Verse has while also having more of a arsenal in his pass rush moves like a Latu. Not to Latu's extent, but still very good. Um, and that's why people have Dallas Turner going ahead. They think the ceiling's a little higher than Latu or Verse. Um but it's honestly tough. Like I think Latu is a guy who's going to come in, and I don't know if he'll ever hit like that fifteen sack, the elite edge uh, numbers. But I think he's going to be a yeah, consistent, like twelve to eight sack guy throughout his career. Uh, and the big red flag for him is obviously his medical concerns. Uh, did play at Washington. They did not medically clear him. They told him to retire from football. Got a second opinion, went to UCLA, so the uh, the medical checks for him will be very big. Um, and the guy for this edge class that is actually going to show out, put on a show, it is Chop Robinson out of Penn State, one of the best names in the draft too. But um, this is someone when you put on tape, doesn't wow you. It's like, what am I really looking at? But athletic freak is going to test insanely well and that's someone it's like there's enough there on tape to be like if he's that athletic we can work with him and we can get him to reach his true potential uh someone who might run a 4-4 like his teammate Micah Parsons did which again is a crazy thing to do um as an edge defender but uh yeah uh Chop Robinson is going to be the athletic freak out of this uh, D and edge group, I should say. Um, yeah, and then we kind of get into that next group of guys where I like um, I like a guy like Darius Robinson out of Missouri just because of the... Um, just because of the... What am I trying to say here? The versatility that he has... On that defensive line, he can play on the interior, he can play on the edge, you can move him all over. He is a chess piece. Um, and that that is huge, and I think that he is productive, might not test as well as some of these other guys, but he is a versatile player, and versatility gets you paid in this league. Um, and another guy I'm going to talk about out of Washington, Braylon Trice, 
Um, yeah, he's huge. 6'6", 275. Will set that edge for you very, very nicely. Definitely a power guy. Better run defender than a pass rusher. But uh, yeah, 6'6", 275. That is a massive frame on him. And someone who isn't going to get the love or the buzz or the media hype potentially yet, but um, I like Austin Booker out of Kansas. Uh, now, this isn't going to be like, oh, one of like, watch out for him to like really show out at the Combine, but I just like him on tape. I think that he shows a lot of what he can do, um, but the issue for him is he is 6'6", 245, so he is definitely on the lighter side, where if he could bulk up, maybe add another 15 pounds to his frame, uh that kind of answers a lot of issues because he does get knocked off the ball. And once those offensive tackles get his hands on him, he kind of just gets locked up, but he is good. And I think if he has a little more muscle and power to his game, he could be a starting defensive end for someone around this league. Um, and something to note about this, these edge players too, when you're watching the combine and when you're watching the 40, like their 40 times don't really matter. What matters for these, uh, for these edge players is the 10 yard split where I have it down here. The, the 10 yard split, if it is a one six or better, uh, that's like top end explosiveness. So when you're watching the combine and you're watching these edge guys go, that 10 yard split is the number that we want to watch. And if it is under one six or under those guys have elite explosiveness off the line, and that's what we want to see. And the other one was for the offensive linemen, where in the short shuttle, uh, linemen who run a 4-4-7 short shuttle or better at the NFL Combine, 24 were drafted, and those 24 went on to start 84% of their NFL games. So again, it's not a be-all, end-all if the guy runs, like if he doesn't run that, he's going to be bad. But if he runs below that, the the track record shows that he will be a good player in this league to some degree anyways. So uh, just some numbers to look out for for actual combine here. Um, yeah, now we're on to the interior defensive line, uh, starting off with another guy from Texas. A lot of Texas players here. Uh, Byron Murphy out of Texas. I think he's coming in at 6'1", 3'10"-ish. Uh, so a little undersized height-wise, but... Uh, Athletic, athletic freak. Another guy who's going to test out of the gym. When I was only thinking of doing like five guys to talk about, he was going to be on my five person list. Um, might run a four eight forty at that size, which is very good for the interior defensive line. Uh, but again, yeah, people do say he's a little undersized, but he is a guy that you can put on the field for all three downs, and that is pretty vital in the NFL. Is having someone who can play every single down for you and you're confident. Uh, he has shot up some people's draft boards, people seeing I see pick him getting picked in the top top 20, and I think that the combine will definitely boost his stock up even more. Uh, we got Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. I think he's like 6'2", 295, something like that. So uh, also undersized, and that's just kind of his... Uh, his knock too, but a great pass rush specialist on the interior defensive line. Won't shock anyone at the combine with his numbers, but uh, yeah, another very good interior defensive line prospect. And then we kind of get into the tier two group of guys with another guy from Texas. Uh, 
Tavondre Sweat. Now, this is a mammoth of a man. Uh, I think he comes in at like 6'4", 360. Didn't weigh in at the Senior Bowl because I think that he wanted to shock everyone for what he's going to weigh at the Combine. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see how he looks like in drills. He His knock is, I mean, when you're that size, your gas tank is definitely not as big as some other guys who are a little lighter than you. Uh but again, he is a monster. He is huge. He gets his hands on you. He gets you a little off balance. He is running over you. Uh, and then another defensive tackle or interior defensive line, I should say, that is going to v- really impress at the Combine is Chris Jenkins, uh, son of Chris Jenkins, who played for the Panthers and the Giants and a couple other teams throughout his career. Uh, so what I said about Mozzie Smith Last year, uh, during the draft, and how he's going to be a freak, and then he didn't end up test, which is really disappointed. Chris Jenkins is also that, to a lesser degree than Mozzie was, but still incredibly, incredibly impressive. So this is a guy who could see his stock shoot up a little bit more um, once he does test. I think someone said he might have a shot at the bench press record if he really wants to go for it, because obviously bench press, who the fuck cares at the end of the day, but... uh, Yeah, also going to be another defensive lineman that puts on a show. Now we are on to the linebackers. Um, The linebackers right now, in my opinion, isn't a strong group. It's really the linebackers and safeties that don't have any true round one players. Um, So I'll go through them a little quickly here, starting with my number one linebacker, which is Edrin Cooper out of Texas A&M. Um... He's got the size, could bulk up a little bit. I think he's like 6'3", 230. You'd like to see him maybe play around 240, 250, but um, he is an elite athlete, and again, he's going to show up. He's going to test well at the Combine. Um, and yeah, he has he has the instincts. He is a very good athlete. Um, probably an early day two player, but a good, a good day two player. Uh, Payne Wilson, I think out of North Carolina State. Um, another one of these linebackers, a little smaller than Cooper. I think that he's like 6'2", 230, but he's probably going to run a 4'4", which is a very, very good number for a linebacker. Uh, he's got some injury concerns, uh, there, but, uh, yeah. So Peyton Wilson, and then you have Jeremiah Trotter and Junior Colson. Trotter out of Clemson, Colson out of Michigan, um, both more of like that prototype linebacker size. Um, actually, I don't know if that's true. I think one of them was smaller. I think one of them. I think Colson might be six one. Again, I'm not really in on the linebackers in this year's draft. Haven't really looked that much into them. Um, but yeah, these are just kind of the solid, still the top end linebackers in this class. But like they're day two guys at best. Um, now we get into the DBs, the corners here. Uh, we have some very good ones to talk about, starting with Tyrion Arnold out of Alabama. Uh, do-it-all corner has that size that you want. And we're getting to a weird like spot with corners where every corner now is just over six feet, which is absolutely incredible because that means that they can just match up with these taller receivers a little bit better now. Uh, but Arnold, uh, part of the duo with Kool-Aid McKinstry at Bama, uh, but he is the better athlete, and 
that is the difference between the two of them right now is Arnold is going to test well, Arnold has the tape, Arnold has the everything. Um, then we'll move on to another corner here who has moved up draft board since the Senior Bowl and is also probably going to run a 4-3, uh, Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Um, very, very excellent tape. People did not want to target him this year, and that's why kind of his drop in the stats. I think he had five interceptions in 2022, none in 2023, but that's just because people did not want to throw to him because he is that good, and that kind of shows. That's a testament to how good you are at football if people don't want to throw the ball your way. Um, Quinion's probably going to run very well. Uh, He's my number two corner in this draft. Uh, A guy that we're not going to see at the Combine this this week is Cooper DeGene out of Iowa. Uh, the great white hope at corner for us. Um, people, again, he's very versatile. You can play him in the slot. You can play him on the outside, play him at safety. Some people think that that might be his better position in the NFL is at safety. Um, who knows? But he's coming back from that injury. He's not going to run, uh, unfortunately, because he also just would have tested excellently. He is an incredible athlete. I mean, you have to be when you're... Uh, when you're a white corner. So uh, Cooper DeGene. And then we have a guy like Nate Wiggins out of Clemson, uh, the two-year starter for them. Uh, I think Nate Wiggins, a 6'2", might run a 4'2", um, which might shoot him up some people's boards. But again, we should all know who the fast guys are in the draft already. But Nate Wiggins has that legit speed to catch up to some of these fast guys in the NFL, which, again, I talked about the receivers where six or seven of them are probably going to run in the four or three range, which is crazy. But um, yeah, Wiggins has that speed to keep up also has good playmaking and vision and whatever else you want in the cornerback, but uh, very good athlete. And then we kind of get into my tier two, uh, a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry, which is, this is a very, very important week for him because people don't think that the speed shows up for him on tape. Um, and he has to prove that he can run a decent number. Because if he runs a 4-6, it might be over for him. And he might be dropping down my rankings. Because um, I, like, I think that's the question. It's people know that he has the talent. But does he have the... Uh, wait. People know he has the intangibles. But does he have the talent to back it up and the physical tools to back it up? And this is a very important week for Kool-Aid. Um... And then two other guys to talk about, uh, Ennis Rakestra out of Missouri, uh, another one of these corners that just was not thrown at at all this year, uh, which again, just shows you how good you are at your craft. Um, he has been climbing up draft boards lately. I probably have him over Kool-Aid at this moment. <laughs> also, just just Kool-Aid. What a great name. I love Kool-Aid. <laughs> Sounding like an eight-year-old. I love Kool-Aid. Um, yeah. And then uh, Kamari Lassiter out of Georgia, one of the undersized uh, corners in this class. Uh, I think only like 5'10", 185, but he he shows the willingness to tackle, which a lot of corners don't. uh, He's not always the best at tackling, but he gets his head in there. He gets dirty, and that's something that teams just like need. You need guys who are willing to put in the dirty work, and Lassiter is someone who can build his way up, but also um, 
like maybe at his worst is going to be a very good special teamer for you. So, um, and then very, very quickly, cause I don't really have a lot on the safety class in this one, but we have Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota, um, ball hawking safety, very good ball vision and tracking and tackling. I think he is the number one safety in this class. Again, maybe if you consider Cooper DeGene a safety, he's the number one safety and Newbin would be too, but, uh, yeah, so he's number one. We got Cam Kitchens out of Miami. Like Bullard, he is a ball hawk. He forces turnovers. He makes plays on the ball. Um, but his speed is also coming into question a little bit here. So him running a good 40 will be good for him. And then we have Javon Bullard out of Georgia. I don't even know what to really say. I, like, again, safeties like the linebackers, not a lot to be desired, but... If I can go two position groups without really saying a ton about, that's huge. That's great. Um, And then, yeah, finally, we go on to the kickers and punters. That is a joke. There is no way I am talking draft talk with kickers and punters. Just kick the fucking ball. I don't know why we have one guy or two guys to kick a ball two different ways. That's never made sense for me. Beside the point, um... Maybe that's what I'll do. If I have a son to be like, no, you're going to be the first kicker punter uh, in NFL history. You're going to do both jobs extremely well, which, again, I know that's two very, very different things, but I still don't understand why we can't get one person to do both jobs. Beats me. Um, But yeah, that'll do it for the draft episode in the draft talk. I mean, we talked a lot about some of these prospects, some more than others, but um, it's, it is, it is it's a very, very good draft. It's a very good draft, and it's a very good draft in the first two days of the draft, so that's rounds one to round three. Um, I've seen some people say that the day three, the prospects just kind of fall off because a lot of the good players now and good kind of older players that, okay, I can come back for my senior season now want to come back for their senior season. Cause they're making like a couple, like they're making a living good salary playing college football right now. If you're like a, if you're a junior starter coming back and playing for like a major program, you're making more than 50 K in your year. I would imagine probably more than that. Um, so yeah, a lot of players are, staying instead of declaring which is probably smarter financially for them while also smart for them to grow their game and grow as players but uh yeah we have seen a little bit of a fall off in the draft class but again this is a very good draft class to have a top to have lots of picks in i will say that um Yeah, I guess I will be wrapping it up shortly here. Um, I guess so next week's episode, uh, after the Combine, I'll probably talk about some, like, people who, like, really really showed out at the Combine. But next week will be the free agency show. I think what I did last year is I kind of went down and I did, like, my top 25 free agents available. Um, I might do it that way. I might do, like, team by team and go, like, these players would fit into, like, their mold or what they're doing, but, um, oh, I got a text from Keegan, oh, I also got 20 messages, let's see, uh, 
Oh, there we go. Another franchise tag here. Uh, Chiefs have informed Legereus Sneed they're prepared to use the franchise tag and are open to consummate a trade, uh, a trade off if it no longer if no long term deal is reached. So he is not leaving Kansas City unless he is getting traded, uh, which is good. And I also got twenty messages in the group chat right now, so let me just see what uh, something about mock drafts. 51 and oh jesus okay no it's talk i don't care about but yeah next week will be kind of the free agency preview show because next week after that that wednesday uh there will we are will be in the new league year free agency will have started uh there's not really a downtime in the nfl which i love we go from the super bowl straight into draft and combine right in the free agency, then there's a little bit of a dead period leading up to the draft, and then after the draft, we'll get into OTAs and training camps, and then we're basically right back at the start of the NFL year. Um, Yeah, I guess that'll do it, though. Uh, If you have liked this, please like, share, retweet, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and until next time, peace.